Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. All right, Buccaneer fans, welcome to a winning week edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. Our Buccaneers go to Dallas and defeat the Cowboys 19-3 to start off the year 1-0, give Todd Bowles his first victory as head football coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome in, folks. Jason Powers, Peter Blake here. Welcome, Mr. Blake. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Much better now after a 19-3 beating of the Cowboys. Uh, I'm telling you, I mean, that's the way you got to do it, honestly. And uh, the way this whole team played, uh, it could have been could have been a lot worse than what it was. So they still have some things to work on. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. No doubt about it. The No Quarter Given podcast is being presented by Beefo Brady's, Hank's Barbecue, and Home Slice Pizza Company. Beefo Brady's and Home Slice Pizza are both at the corner of Bush Boulevard and Himes Avenue over in the Carrollwood Forest Hills area of Tampa. So we appreciate their support of the podcast and also Hank's Barbecue right off of uh, North Del Mabry and Waters, just past Waters on North Del Mabry. So um, also want to remind you, Buccaneer fans, we're going to be at Beef O'Brady's on Saturday, September the 17th. We're going to be doing a little college football and NFL preview show from 2 to 3.30. So if you're in the area, I'd love to see you over there at Beef's. I know Peter and I are going to be there later in the month on a Thursday night when the Dolphins and the Bengals get at it late in September. So looking forward to being out there with Peter on Thursday, the 29th over at Beef. She'll enjoy it, Peter. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Never been there before, but uh, I've been to a lot of Beef O'Brady's before. So uh, should be good. I'm yeah, they did a great it. Yeah, they did a great job remodeling the restaurant just in the last 30 days. So it looks great. And it's a great atmosphere for college and pro football and for, for your Bucks action on Sunday as well. All right, let's get into the action on Sunday night in Dallas. The two things I want to start off with, with the injuries, Chris Godwin, Donovan Smith, you know, were you, what were your thoughts? Did you, did you think that Godwin should have played in this game or were you leery about sitting them out? No, I mean, honestly, how healthy is he going to be if you sit him out for another two or three weeks and the injury has nothing to do with the one that he recovered from. So I don't have any problem playing him at the end of the day. If the Bucks feel like he's healthy, if the doctors have checked him off, if Chris Godwin wants to play football, why not? Injuries are a part of the National Football League. It's just the way it is sometimes. So is it disappointing that he got hurt? Uh, yeah, absolutely it is because he's one of your main weapons and you're going to need him to have that production and he may miss a couple weeks, but at the end of the day, he is still one of your best weapons. He had 98 catches last year. You need him on third down and you saw the first play of the game, what, 24, right. 25 yards. He didn't show any effects that he was hurt from that ACL. So I absolutely agree with the Bucks and their decision to play him last Sunday night. 
I agree with you. I think the I think the injury was more of that he kind of bent over awkwardly on the low throw by Brady, and I think that's maybe where he strained the hamstring a little bit. It sounds like from what Todd Bowles said earlier in the week that he's it's not as bad as they thought it would be potentially. So it might only be a week or two. I don't expect him to play Sunday in New Orleans. I would think they would probably hold him maybe out of the Green Bay game and then maybe bring him back for the Kansas City Sunday night game as long as everything progresses. Other more concerning injury, Donovan Smith, left tackle, leaves the game. Kind of, he kind of got his arm whiplashed on a, on a on a on a pass protection play. There was a sack of Brady. You know, it sounds like again from what Bowles said, it's going to be more of a pain tolerance issue with with Donovan, whether he can play or not in, in New Orleans. So you're again the big thing here, obviously more concerning if it's Donovan because of the because of Josh Wells having to step in to play left tackle. Do you agree with that? I mean, yeah, of course it is. And Donovan Smith, you know, had his moments during this game where, you know, he gets out on the block technique wise. He just knocked the hell out of the other player. And then he gets that spin move by uh, Micah Parsons and looks completely lost. And then you bring in Wells by himself and don't even have a running back, although they did that later, which was interesting <laughs> in itself. With uh, Leonard Fournette in that uh, chip block, gotta love that, which opened up a big time play for Julio Jones. But yeah, you're kind of concerned because guess what? This week you got Cam Jordan. You got a pretty good defensive line, although you know uh, it's not the best. But still, at the end of the day, there's a reason why Josh Wells is a backup in this league. Right. And the reason is you you kind of you tight you take a step back, even though fans are not. The biggest of Donovan Smith, you still take a step back. So, yes, it's concerning. Yes, it may change your game plan. You may have to keep a running back in on that side or a tight end. But we kind of saw that on Sunday night, didn't you? I mean, you saw more two tight end sets than I think you've seen in this offense in a little while now. If you if you listen to our podcast last week, that was one of the points I made. I said, I don't be surprised if you see a lot of two and three tight end sets. And I was I was proven right. Yet you saw a lot of two and three tight end sets. Kyle Rudolph wasn't even active. They did they he was inactive. They played a lot of Otten and Keith was the blocking backs to comp- and, and then paired them with with Cam Brayton some different sets. So I liked what I saw. And again, you saw the balance in the Buccaneer offense. Yeah. Thirty three runs, twenty seven passes. A great balance by Byron Leftwich. I love it. And you look at Leonard Fournette, 21 for 127. Big night for him. Uh, Like you talked about, that big-time block on Parsons, I can't get enough of it because Parsons was saying, you know, that that was a a, cheap shot. Yeah, cheap shot. And and to me, it was was a legal hit. And if the refs uh, call a penalty on that, you might as well just take the helmets off at that point and not play tackle football anymore. So shame on Parsons. Because he's a guy in the past, even when Chris Godwin got hurt with the Saints and uh, there were fans out there complaining about that hit, he's the first person to say, hey, we play tackle football here. Okay, well, the same thing, Parsons. We play tackle football here. Uh, you yeah. got they put down on the ground. So, uh, you know, deal with it on the next play. I'm with you. Offensive line-wise, we had concerns about Gedeke and Hainsey. I yeah. thought they played really well. And if you notice where the Bucks ran the ball, a lot of the night was right behind Luke Gedeke and Hainsey over the left side. They got a lot of yards running over Gedeke, and I think you're seeing why the Bucks liked him so much, drafting him in the second round, 
Very good run blocker. He held up pretty good in pass protection. I didn't see any major, you know, other than the two sacks, there weren't a whole lot of times Brady got hit. And I think that was the encouraging thing about it. You know, besides that one series with Parsons doing the spin move and then absolutely taking advantage of Josh Wells. Besides that, I think the offensive line did a pretty good job. Although there were times when they got into the red zone and there were some breakdowns and we talked about it. So they could have scored more points in the red zone, but at the end of the day, you kept Tom Brady pretty much clean. That's what you got to do. That has to be the onus week after week. You have that challenge this week uh, in the Big Easy with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and if you're a Buccaneer fan, which we all are, the Bucs went up and down the field. They just couldn't convert in the in the red zone. That's the part. Again, this does, does the absence of Gronkowski play a factor? Sure. But I think the Bucs with getting Julio more involved, Gage more involved, the tight ends, I think that problem's going to get fixed. I don't, I'm not concerned about that problem at all. I think that'll get better and better as we move along with Julio. Um, cool, couple cool things I liked with the offensive play calling. I liked you gave Julio a couple speed sweeps. You know, he wasn't just involved in running pass routes. He ran the speed sweep a couple times. You know, they threw the ball deep to Julio one time and they connected a great throw and a great catch. So I liked what I saw out of the play calling. And again, Brady's smart enough to know when to throw a ball away. Even the ones we see as me and you and the fans see as an incompletion. A lot of times Brady just throws the ball away high or to the outside because he knows it's a their beat on that play. And that's that's the great thing about Brady. He doesn't take a sack and he normally doesn't force the ball into coverage. He doesn't. And that's the great thing. And that's the reason why you look at this statistic, Jason Powers, in the red zone since 2020, 59 touchdowns, zero, count them. Zero interceptions, yep. and that's why that's why so many teams love Tom Brady and hate Tom Brady because he's not going to make that major mistake at a critical time in the red zone. And then on top of it, he still has the arm strength. Oh yeah! And like you said, I love how they were using Julio Jones and Chris Godwin on inner rounds, and it seems like more teams around the National Football League are doing that kind of taking a page out of the playbook for the San Francisco 49ers and how they use Debo Samuel. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, no doubt about it. And again, I think you'll see Russell Gage get integrated into the offense more and more as we move along here, especially if Godwin's going to be out a couple weeks. I think you'll see Godwin step into that number three role. You'll see he had, he had a couple easy catches, but again, I think you'll see some more tight end catches here coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. So Good, very encouraged by the offense. Again, with more touchdowns, sure, but they went up and down the field that first half, three quarters of the game, you know, moved the ball. I won't say it will, but they ran the ball terrific. There were some gaping holes in some of those runs. I mean, it wasn't Fournette having to break tackles. There were several runs where he was seven, eight yards down the field before he got touched. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the key. Like you said, balance. When you're getting that balance, it opens up those plays down the field. That's what you saw with the Julio Jones at the end of the day with the 48 yards. Uh, And it's encouraging. It really is because you still have some some things to work on. You didn't necessarily play your best game, and you still won handily against the Dallas Cowboys. A tough road test, no doubt. Let's go to the defense. Great effort by the defense. Again, you and I talked about it last week. Don't let C.D. Lamb wreck the game. Great job covering C.D. Lamb. A lot of Carlton Davis. You saw all, all, all the guys. Jamel Dean was on him. He had a couple catches. But, again, they weren't going to let that guy beat him. The, the, the Dallas number two and three receivers were not very good, did not have any separation. Schultz had a couple of catches, but nothing nothing of any major damage. So I, I really like what I saw out of the secondary. 
They had two or three near-miss interceptions. Devin White had one, probably would still be running if he'd have caught it. You know, great interception by Winfield on the on the coverage on Prescott before he got hurt. A couple of nice breakups by Mike Edwards, broke up a long ball down the sideline. So very encouraged by the by especially the backs, the back four, the secondary. Absolutely. And you have to be encouraged also what it's predicated on is the pass rush and the yep. pass rush definitely <clears throat> made a difference and made that back end that much better, especially Akeem Hicks and Navita Vea. You saw Hicks flash. You could see that he's going to be a big part of that defensive line. And going back to it, there's a lot of critics out there that said, you know what? The Bucs shouldn't have paid Carlton Davis because he doesn't have interceptions or doesn't get enough interceptions or enough turnovers. And that has been the emphasis in the offseason for that back end to take advantage and get those interceptions. So it was encouraging to see Winfield take advantage. And anybody saying that Carlton Davis didn't deserve that money, turn on the tape and watch him shut down a number one wide receiver in a CD lamb. He absolutely deserved it. And that's why he's one of the best corners in the league that nobody talks about. Four sacks for the defense, two by Devin White, Anthony Nelson with a sack, Vita Vea with a sack. What I like too is you you saw all the defensive linemen play. They were rotating guys all over the place. Logan Hall was in the game, Nelson, you know, Shaq, obviously all the interior guys. So you played a lot of guys. Again, this first game, you always worry about ham playing too much and you pull a groin, you pull a hamstring because you haven't played much in the preseason. They they rotated a lot of guys, which is great to see. And then same again, same on the back end. You saw a lot of guys in the secondary play, safety wise, and all that good stuff. So very encouraged by the defense. Again, we understand Dallas wasn't at full strength as far as offensive weapons, but that's what a good defense does: is you shut them out, you shut them down after that first drive. They basically didn't get a first down till the second half, damn near. So great job by Todd Bowles. And here's the other thing. They didn't commit penalties on defense. No illegal hands to the face. No holding. No PIs. The things that the Bucks DBs got in trouble with in years past. Bad technique, which led to interferences and holding calls by especially Carlton Davis. You didn't see any of that on, on Sunday night. Yeah, you've seen great technique. And you talk about Jamel Dean. You saw a play there where it looked like he had his arm or his hand on the guy's waist. But he was smart enough to not only tilt his head back, but also put his hand up and knock the ball down. And of course, they're not going to call it. And you're exactly right. The team that shot themselves in the foot last Sunday night was the Dallas Cowboys. So many penalties, so undisciplined. And we talk about it all the time, you know, five, 10 yards, you know, that's the difference between second and five and second and 15, right? And you get into those, you know, manageable situations like the Bucks were the other night, third and three, third and five, third and seven. After that, then basically you're expecting the whole playbook. The whole playbook's yeah. open. Yeah, the whole playbook is open when you get into those manageable situations. But if not, you're throwing the ball. So you're basically handcuffed at that point. And that's exactly what Dak Prescott and the Cowboys were doing to themselves the other night, especially that offensive line, which we talked about on last week's show. They weren't very good. Uh, you know, you're putting in uh, Tyron Smith. He's not in there. You're putting Tyler Smith as a guard. I just thought the defensive line dominated the offensive line. And then on top of it, helping that Bucks defense out with all those penalties. And then, and then obviously the defensive line caused the injury to, to Dak Prescott with the pressure by Barrett up the gut. He hit him on the thumb twice in a row, basically breaks yeah. his thumb. He's out, you know, six to eight weeks from all indications. So not that you're trying to get a guy hurt, but it's just, it just shows the pressure, the constant pressure in the, in the, in the attention that he, that Dak was getting and that how they were, they were in his face, 
especially that second half. The second half, they were all over Dak in the passing game, and it was just it was it was a very good sign to see if you're the, for the Buccaneer defense. Agree. All right, we're gonna be back in just a couple of minutes. We're gonna let you listen to our buddy, our man, Paul Stewart. He's going to give you the montage of the New Orleans Saints history with the Buccaneers as the Bucs head to New Orleans on Sunday, one o'clock game. Um, we're going to get we're going to get you a full preview here in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to go to Paul Stewart, BuckPower.com. Remember, for all your Bucks history, audio clips, information that you need. The day we're recording this, it's Brad Johnson's birthday today. Peter Blake, wow. you know that? Wow. I did not know that. Happy birthday, Brad Johnson. Well, you would know that if you went to buckpower.com today. All the, all, exactly. There you go. There Paul you go. Stewart has it. Yeah, uh, it. Buckpower.com is your place for birthdays, audio clips, statistics, everything Bucks related. Buckpower.com. And here is Paul Stewart with the historical montage with the Bucks and the New Orleans Saints. When the Bucks travel to play the Saints in Week 2, it'll be the 61st time the two franchises have met in regular season play. In fact, late this year, the return game at Raymond James Stadium will make the Saints the most common opponent the Bucks have ever played when they surpass the 61 previous games they've had with the Chicago Bears. Now, the all-time record is not that good for Bucks fans. It's 21-39 in favour of the Saints going into this season. But it was, of course, a certain playoff game we might mention later on. But when it comes to memorable victories, you look at the very first time the Bucks played in New Orleans, 1977, the Bucks were 0 26, and we all know what happened next. The Buccaneer offense recorded only their second passing touchdown of the season when Gary Huff found Morris Owens to put Tampa ahead 13 0 in the second quarter. In the second half, there were three pick sixes, a franchise record that was matched in the postseason, of course, in the Super Bowl. Mike Washington had the first one, stepping inside on the receiver and taking it to the house. Richard Batman Wood had the second one, diving into the end zone to make it 27-0 Tampa Bay in the fourth quarter and truly starting the celebrations on the sideline. A defensive lineman, Greg Johnson, only played five games for the Bucks, but he completed a scoring when he caught a deflected pass in the end zone to complete the defensive route. We featured that game in a special BuckPower.com podcast last year when Dennis Crawford and Dick Crippin joined me to reminisce on that memorable victory. Now, in 1979, the tables were turned somewhat as the Bucks were 5-0. and They were unbeaten untied and unbelievable and leading the NFL. They led the Saints 7-0 early in the third quarter, then conceded 42 straight points in what coach John McKay called the wake-up call to end all wake-up calls. In 1987, Vinny Testaverde made his first NFL start against the Saints, but he fumbled on his first two possessions, leading to an early 14-0 New Orleans lead before many fans had even taken their seats. Now, he did bounce back and set a then-rookie record with 369 yards in his first NFL start, including touchdown passes to Mark Carrier and Bruce Hill. Carrier was set a then-franchise record with 212 yards receiving on the day. It did give us some thought that Vinny might be the saviour of the franchise, but of course, it didn't last. Third and three from the 27. 
five defensive backs for New Orleans. Testaverde's first throw balls on the ground. Now they'll be coming, Vinny, on today. A one sack, one fumble. Two fumbles as Pat Swilling, 56, has it back for Saints. 528 remaining third quarter. 38 to 10 Saints. Testaverde on first down. Throws deep. Touchdown Tampa Bay, I do believe. Yes. Mark Carrier made a marvelous catch. First and 10 at the 12. Touchdown Tampa. Bruce Hill on the post pattern drags Dave Waymer into the end zone. In the 2001 meeting, the Bucks tied their own franchise record by scoring 48 points in an absolute hammering of the Saints, a game that featured some real anomalies. Aaron Stecker came so close to the first kickoff return in franchise history, albeit with the help of at least three illegal blocks that got missed by the officials. Martin Gramaska pulled his hamstring on an extra point, and John Lynch wound up kicking off twice. On Ronde Barber had yet another interception return touchdown. Aaron Stecker is deep. Frank Murphy out with an ankle injury. Stecker at the goal line. And he's tripped up, stays on his feet. Fights his way up toward the 30, trying to bust loose, he does! Aaron Stecker may go! He's being chased by Fred Weary! Stecker, inside the 20, down at the 14! And Marquis can't kick off, it's John Lynch with a line drive. That's picked up by Willie Whitehead for New Orleans, and he gets back to cross the 40-yard line. I only need one, watching that. On third and one. Brooks throws, and it's intercepted by Rondé Barber. Barber heading for the end zone. Touchdown! The 1990 loss did feature Chris Chandler's memorable somersault score. The 2002 loss was John Gruden's first game as head coach and featured Tom Tooper's abortive pass on a muff punt snap to lose the game in overtime. 2005 saw the Bucks clinch a division title against New Orleans as Dwayne White returned a fumble for a score late in the game. The 2018 season opener saw James Winston suspended, so Ryan Fitzpatrick took the reins, and once again the Bucks put up 48 on the Saints. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw four touchdown passes, ran one in himself, and of course the legend of Fitz Magic was born, and no one but no one will ever look cooler than Fitz did at his post-game press conference. Ryan Fitzpatrick is into the end zone for a Buccaneer touchdown. They're not joking about his running anymore. And then there came the divisional playoff win in 2020, during the COVID-affected season that of course Saints used an excuse for them losing. Tom Brady ran a touchdown in, threw two more, and Drew Brees had three very costly interceptions as the Bucks progressed to the NFC title game. Brady Second and nine now. This was picked. Intercepted by the Bucks. It's Murphy bunting down the sideline. He is going to be marked out at the three. Still no catches for Michael Thomas. You see the total yards in the game. Second and eight. Breeze throws and he's picked by Devin White. 
Another turnover, and White picks his way down the sideline. And of course, a week later, they defeated the Packers in Lambeau Field, came back to uh, Raymond James Stadium, won the Super Bowl, giving them two Vince Lombardi trophies. One more than New Orleans have, of course. Did you know that on the two occasions the Buccaneers have won the Super Bowl, they've lost their season opener to New Orleans on both occasions? Now, this will be one of those rare moments when the Bucs are playing the Saints without Sean Payton on the sideline, as he's taken a year off before taking over the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, he's retired from the NFL. Now, Payton has come across over the years as one of the most arrogant coaches in the league. And he also played in the British Gridiron League in 1988 for the Leicester Panthers, where I had the misfortune of interviewing him then as well. And he was the same then as he is now. Now, you can read all about the Bucks' previous meetings with the Saints, as well as everything else to do with the history of the Buccaneers on BuckPower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. Hey, fans, with the college football and NFL season now underway, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have for all of our shows on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. You'll receive 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, get an additional $125 to play with. $200 initially deposited, get you $250, and so on and so forth. BetUS has all the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, NBA, and almost any sport you can think of. But we know you are college football fans at heart, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check us out at BetUS.com and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. Okay, Buck fans, we are back. What a job by Paul Stewart giving you a historical uh, outlook of the Bucks saints rivalry. Very storied rivalry over the years, our NFC South days, Drew Brees and all the all the the you know the Ryan Fitzpatrick game a few years back. I mean, just what is your what is your, what? Give me a memory for you of the New Orleans Saints rivalry, Peter Blake. I mean, it's for it's Fitzpatrick there. I mean, starting out, what is that in two thousand? Is it eight nine eighteen or nineteen eighteen? I thought it was seventeen. Okay, last year when Jameis is maybe I'm wrong. But uh, that first game where, you know, they it's have magic, baby. It's magic. Yes, yes. Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, of course, hooking up there a couple of times. So that was that was one memory there. And then, of course, I think it goes back to the playoff game. I mean, how can you forget about that? That catapulted this team to the NFC championship. How many years in the regular season did the Saints dominate the Bucks, And then finally you get to that divisional playoff game. And to me. Uh, you know, for most of that game, I think a lot of Bucks fans were like, oh, here we go again. But Winfield makes a great play. Devin White played strong. Sean Murphy bunting. And then, of course, Tom Brady and Lombardi Lenny. So I'll never forget that. I think that's probably the greatest memory of this matchup. And then there was another one. I believe the Bucks win like 16 to 11. And that is Dirk Cutter's first year where that team is starting to march and get confidence in their eight and five. And then after that, a couple of weeks later, I believe they lose to the Saints and they're eliminated from playoff contention. 
All right, speaking of the Saints and yes. in the, in the NFC South in general, and also I want to get your opinion on some of those. What were your thoughts of my man, Mr. Hackett, out in Denver trying a 64-yard field goal and not going for it on fourth and five on Monday night football? I have no idea why you get Russell Wilson in the first place. I mean, that's the reason why you pay the guy money, right? You're going for a 64-yard field goal instead of going for fourth and five. Yeah. Really don't understand the decision-making. Really shocked that Seattle was in that game because I thought Denver was that much of a better team. But, you know, it was a week of underdogs, Jason Powers. So, and at the end of the day, Russell Wilson, you know, maybe like Tom Brady in that he doesn't necessarily know that offense. Uh, he doesn't have all that chemistry with his wide receivers yet. So it may take some time. It, it may not necessarily be a, uh, a flawless transition, if you will. It doesn't help when you fumble twice on the one-yard line either. No, it doesn't help. (laughs) And again, it goes back to the red zone. I mean, how important is that red area for teams? And you have to cash in, even just getting a field goal. And I get it. The Bucs had four four out of five field goals the other night. Those are important points. If you get nothing, you open up those opportunities to the other team. And usually that team takes advantage. And guess what? They took advantage. And you saw all around the NFL this weekend, week one, which is such a wild week it was. Field goal kicking, special teams were huge in all these games. You had missed field goals. Then you had the guy in Cleveland make a 58-yarder, the rookie to win it, to beat the Panthers. You had all the drama in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati with McPherson missing the extra point, then missing the short field goal in overtime, then Boswell missing one, and then Boswell finally making one. You had Rodrigo Blankenship in Indianapolis. Misses a 42-yarder in Houston. He then gets cut on Tuesday by the Colts. I mean, <laughs> and again, I've talked about it with you, how important I think the kicking game is. Even at the NFL level, it's, it is vital. And again, when you have a good kicker, and again, why we kept Ryan Suckup probably over Borgallis is the, is the reliability. Yeah, he missed a 36-yarder they shouldn't have missed, but he went four out of five, and he made all the other ones he's supposed to make. Exactly. And it's all three phases of the game, Jason Powers, offense, defense, and special teams. And if you're missing one of those facets, then it's going to cost you. And we saw it with good teams. Of course, it didn't help that, you know, Burrow had five turnovers in that game. And to even say they're in that game at that point with all those turnovers is amazing. But for it to come down to a blocked extra point, no blocked extra extra point. And then a field goal kicker that's not able to make his kicks. That's disappointing, but again, that's a part of the NFL. You've got to have all those facets, all those, you know, all those, uh, all those, those key components to your game. And if you don't, then once again, you lose games. And decision making by the head coaches. The decision in Seattle the last night, the other night, but you know, other decisions that you saw guys go for it when they shouldn't and kick when they, you know, these games are critical. This game in September might keep Seattle, might keep Denver out of the playoffs. This could be a game you look back in three months and say they didn't make the playoffs because of that. Or Cincinnati doesn't get the, a, a, a home game in the playoffs because of the missed extra points. And the unlike baseball or basketball, when you play 82 games or 160 games, you can blow off a game here and there. In the NFL, the game in September means just as much in the game as the game in December. It really does. And, of course, see, it's all about getting into the playoffs because if you can get into the playoffs and you get hot at the right time, uh, you become the Cincinnati Bengals, but you're exactly right. You've got to get in, uh, especially against your division foes, which the Bucks have this week versus the Saints, but you're exactly right. 
there's only 16, 17 games a year, so you have to make them count. And speaking of the Saints, that's a, you talk about a team getting off the let off the hook by the Falcons last week, uh, down twenty six to ten the in Falcons the fourth quarter. Falcons can't play defense. That's the thing; they've never been able to play defense. They've been a cursed team ever since Tom Brady was <laughs> down twenty eight to three. They have never been able to keep a lead. And I tell you right now, they have to be a, a gambler's delight or a gambler's nightmare because if you're betting on the Falcons at that point. And then you see the Saints come back and you got a number line and you lose money because the Falcons play prevent defense, which basically prevents you from winning. Because on Sunday, they were blitzing Jameis Winston all day long. And then all of a sudden, they decided, you know what? We're going to play back. We're going to get cute. Uh, we're running uh, Cordero Patterson all these times. Guess what? We're going to throw the ball with Marcus Mariota, which, by the way, once again, if you have Marcus Mariota as your starting quarterback, you don't have a starting quarterback. Why are you getting away from Patterson? Why are you getting away from blitzing? I don't understand it, but that's what bad teams do. And guess what? The Falcons are a bad team. Give them, I'll give them credit, though. They played really well for three quarters, and they were dominating the Saints. Yeah. You mentioned Corderell Patterson had over 100 yards rushing, which is a good sign leading into this week with Fournette. You know, Mariota didn't play terrible Sunday. He didn't throw three interceptions. I mean, it was this was a defensive game that was lost by the Falcons. Mariota played well enough to win the game. Well, and then you play well enough to win the game. But, you know, going back to the late, great Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it. They're not very good. We get that. But give give them credit. They played really well for three and a half quarters. And they gave every the same and, and give Jameis Winston credit. They had in drives. They had to have it in the fourth quarter. He did it. He hit, he hit Landry, he hit Mike Thomas, Alave, and again, getting into this matchup this week, the Bucks defense is going to have to defend much more, many more weapons than they had last week. You got three really good receivers, you got Kamara, you saw Taysom Hill run wild on a couple of runs on Sunday, so it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks decide to defend Jameis, and remember, Buck fans, the game in New Orleans last year was the game Jameis got hurt. He hurt his knee in the Buccaneer game, was done for the rest of the year, so We'll be very interested to see how the Bucs play this New Orleans offense. What do you think the Bucs do, blitz him? Or do you think they play more coverage? What do you think the Buccaneers focus on defensively? I mean, you can blitz him. You can do uh, multiple various things. But at the end of the day, if you feel confident, confident in your one-on-one coverage with uh, Mike Thomas, which I think you can with Carlton Davis, uh, you know, you talk about Alave and Landry. I think you definitely blitz him, and I think that's the key to it. You got to blitz him. You got to force him to make those throws, and you got to force, you got to put guys in his face to make him move around. You saw it last year, he was on track for 14 touchdowns, three yep. interceptions, and then Devin White, of course, with a legal tackle, by the way, that was not a yes. horse killer. Oh, yeah. With a legal tackle, you got to get after him. We saw Jameis Winston when you blitz him. When you blitz him, uh, you razzle him a little bit, you put something in his face, and you make him think you don't play back in zone. Although you could you could do various things, you could blitz him, you could change up your coverage looks. You know, at the end of the day, I still don't believe that Jameis Winston is not going to give you a couple interceptions if you confuse him enough or put enough pressure. So I think you could do it a variety of ways. At the end of the day, you have to get pressure on any quarterback and the National Football League, especially Jameis Winston. Again, the matchup to me, I think, to really look forward to as well, Buck fans, Devin White on Alvin Kamara in the passing game. You're going to see yep. a lot of Kamara. He's he's hurt us in the years past. Devin White's admitted, hey, I need to be better in, in coverage. 
zone coverage especially, but don't let Kamara kill us in the passing game. He's had a lot of big games in the passing game against the Buccaneers in years past. And what does Mike Evans do against Marcus Lattimore? Because right. that is always the matchup, and it's either Lattimore winning it or Evans. I don't necessarily think that there's years where, you know, Evans doesn't get a piece of Lattimore, but uh, it's a tough matchup. And then if they do decide to bracket coverage towards Evans, who's the guy that's going to step up? Is it going to be a Russell Gage? Is it going to be a Julio Jones? We right. don't think that Chris Godwin's going to play possibly a Scotty Miller, who yes. is inactive. Maybe Probably. he gets an opportunity. Perriman, so maybe Perriman. Somebody has to step up because that is a tough matchup. And both of those guys go at it. Uh, very well, and it's you know it's a prime time matchup. It really is. So who will step up on that other side of the field? Is it going to be Julio? Is it going to be Gage? Is it going to be Scotty Miller? Is it going to be Perryman? Who will it be? Jason Powers on I, Sunday. I think you're going to see some more tight end catches this week. I can't think. Brayton, okay. Cam, and Otten. I think you're going to see in the mix uh, running that seam a little bit. I think this could be a play action, especially with the Buccaneers showing they can run the ball like they did. You're going to get that extra man, those linebackers biting up on the run. This is where Brady is great at the play action. Boom, you hit you hit Cam Bray for 10 or 12 yards over, over right over the linebacker's head, Kate Otten. So I think this is where you'll see some more tight end catches this week. And again, keep running the ball if you're the Buccaneers. Keep establishing that run. They showed they were vulnerable last week to Corderell Patterson. Run the ball, balance. And again, this is where you're going to get your shot plays, the play action. Evans and Julio on the post routes or the go routes, the deep crossers, things like that, that Brady that they're really good at. And Julio knows his New Orleans secondary very well as well with all his experiences with the Falcons. Absolutely. And, and that's what you have to look forward to. And at the end of the day, how important is this game? Because the Bucs have been completely dominated in the regular season by the Saints. Yep. And that bad taste is still in your mouth when you're losing to what? A backup third string quarterback last year. You're losing nine to nothing at your house. So you have an opportunity here to go two and oh. And we know how important this game is, not only because it's against the Saints, but also a division, so it counts for two. So basically, you put yourself in position at that point. I get it. It's early to be in that driver's seat. And if you win this game, you get nine out of the next 15 at home, two road games off the bat. You win this game, you get nine out of the last 15 or in your building. Obviously, one of those games is in Germany, but still nine home games. In, in your house as opposed to, you know, with two two tough road games out of the way if you can get a W. All right. Absolutely. Give me a prediction, my brother. I'm thinking about it right now. I go 27-20 Tampa Bay. I'm going to be in the same neighborhood. I think it's going to be 27-23 kind of game. I think it's going to be a late defensive stop by the Buccaneer defense. And, again, I think you're going to see a, a lot. This is a 1 o'clock game, Buck fans, not 4 o'clock. So be there early. Be ready. I was a little surprised that Fox didn't put this game at 4.30 unless they don't have the – CBS might have the late game this week. That might be why the game's early because CBS probably has the late game. But I think you're going to see – don't be as surprised if you see uh, Kevin uh, Olsen and Kevin Burkhardt on the call here in New Orleans on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I love it. Greg Olson, Kevin Burkhardt, that's your number one crew this year for Fox. So we shall see how that plays out. I'm surprised because I thought it was a 4 o'clock game. And it's a one o'clock. And of course, I'll be going to the swamp this week with the legend Leo Haggerty, of course, uh, yep. my friend there, Travis, ha Travis Faley. So we'll be covering that game and then driving back and then more than likely trying to watch that game the next day. So it's going to be 
an unbelievable weekend of football. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good stuff. And new, again, there'll be a lot of Buck fans in New Orleans, I'm sure. Again, uh, all your Buck information, buckpower.com. Paul Stewart, great job with the montage. Peter Blake, great job with the analysis. Tell everybody where they can find John Lyon and all your great work. Absolutely. The Sports Web, the evolution of sports talk television nightly on I Love St. Pete, the hub and Amped Up Sports on Facebook. And of course, YouTube, like and subscribe to the Sports Web and do three things. Bring your passion, bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. And remember, Buck fans, Buck Power TV YouTube channel. Paul Stewart also has his montages listed there. Um, so go to, to go on YouTube, search Buck Power TV. We're going to be doing some post-game stuff here in the next couple of weeks on Buck Power TV as well. So stay tuned for that. Remember, find us all your all your podcast. You're obviously listening. Tell your friends about the Buck Power No No Quarter Given podcast on Buck Power, part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. Tell your friends, subscribe, rate, and review for this podcast to all your Buck friends. Again, my podcast, Powers on Sports Podcast, Florida Football Insiders. If you're a college football fan, we talk all things Florida college football. No quarter, uh, no quarter given. Peter Blake's great work with the sports web. Lots of places to find your, your football fix, whether it's pro, college, NFL. We love it. We talk it all, the, all week long, and we appreciate you finding us, Buck fans. And again, Peter Blake, 2720. I'm going 2723 bucks. I'm going to go Cam Brake, game winning touchdown this week. That's going to be my my player to look for on offense. Cam uh, Brake. And for me, it's really <clears throat> it's really easy for me. I think you keep on running the ball. The Leonard Fournette. He's in his house. He's in his hometown. It's time for him to have a big game. Look for Lenny over 100 rushing yards here and to be the catalyst of this offense this week. Let's just keep Lenny out of the, out of Bourbon Street and all the gumbo restaurants on Saturday night. Exactly. No gum, no gumbo, Lenny. To ease no up gumbo. on the etouffee. No gumbo and no etouffee for you, <laughs> Lenny, on Saturday night, bro, brother. <laughs> all right, Buck fans, we'll see you next week. Green Bay Packers are coming to town for the home opener. Aaron Rodgers, we'll see where they're at. Start. But again, it'll be a great 4, 425 kickoff for the home opener. Buck fans, we will see you next time on the No Quarter Given Podcast. Have a great week, Buck fans. Go Bucks! Here we go! Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given Podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com Podcast Network.